Amen. Thank you, Lord. That was a great job, Melissa. She's got a good Canadian voice, right? Somebody who can speak before people can understand. Not, not saying you don't understand my voice, but, you know. So I want to thank David Rummage for coming over here Friday and scraping the parking lot. Because there was some... It started snowing, I was over here, and then I walked out the door, and there was a lot of snow, so I left my car here, and I came over here to try to get it, and I this is a spinning, spinning, I just backed it up and let, I had to leave it here. I thought, i got to get somebody to do something here, so David did that, and uh, thank you, Johnny, Johnny D and Evelyn, that's good, isn't it? Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, uh, Jacob and Amy uh, are going to be Jacob and Amy early in two weeks. <laughs> so we're excited about that. Um, you know, they're, they got the Father's blessing. So to get married, that's kind of important. Even when you're older and, you know, been married a second time, if your dad's still around, it'd be great to have dad uh, say, I bless this. And I was... So blessed last night at a little gathering they had, and Charlie went up and said some things. And when he was saying it, it was like the order was set. If anybody's got any disorder, that's your problem because the daddy has spoken. Don't you love it when daddies speak? Amen. So I appreciate that. I appreciate when you did that, Charlie. That really blessed me. And if Jacob messes up, just let me know, and you can put me on the list to hurt him badly. <laughs> yeah, amen. Um, one of the things I wanted to uh, do, uh, if you, I didn't tell the ushers this. So, uh, is there an usher in here that can do this for me? Brett, will you help me? Thank you. I forgot to say something, but I really wanted to ask you guys if you're willing to take up an offering for uh, Bonnie Jones. And give her some money just to bless her. Uh, actually, Bob was supposed to probably speak be, be speaking today in this church. Uh, but, of course, he decided he had a better gig, right? <laughs> so we were going to take up an offer for him anyways. So if Brett, they're gonna, they said, wait a minute. But if you would like to ask the Lord about that while we're waiting a minute, just something to bless them and let them know we love them at a time when they're going. I don't know what their financial situation is. I'm sure it's good, but, you know, you could always use a little more, right? I don't know about you, but I could. And, you know, one thing I was thinking about uh, BJ this morning is I had a great opportunity to get to know BJ as a man, Bob Jones the man versus Bob Jones the prophet. Uh, and I was just telling Matthew, you know, in life there's uh, very few people that you're going to find that really believe in you. You know what I'm saying? That really believe in you. And then there's still fewer of those who believe in you that can call forth what's in you out. And that's really what Bob Jones was for me. Is he, he really believed in me for some reason. It must have been God, right? <laughs> and he was really able to he, he was that for me, and so it's a it's a personal loss for me um, to lose him. And but you know his purpose was completed, obviously, uh, on this earth. He finished. They're gonna do a slider back there too, if you want to do a slider on this deal. So we're high tech here, right? All right, Lord bless this offering. Thank you for everybody who has a good heart to give, and we pray you'd multiply it, just like Bob said. Bob Hare. That was good what Bob said. Revelations 4.1. Amen? Do I sound a little tense here? Good. I didn't really want to because... Sure. People um, have asked me, you know, a lot, you know, what, what's your thoughts about Bob? And I, my simple answer is I'm speechless. And... Um, but something that those of us that had the opportunity to spend time with him understood and that he was just a man full of love. And um, so someone asked me, you know, and we've heard this before, you know, what, what is, you know, Bob was talking about the significance. And I, you know, didn't think about it much. And some people have already commented on this, but 
Friday just happened to be the biggest love day in the United States, didn't it? Huh? And those of us that know him, he would always say, he'd talk about his experience when he went to heaven. And when he came face to face to the Lord, the Lord only asked him one question. And the question was, did you learn how to love? And that, to me, is probably the most significant word that any of us could hear about walking as Christians on this earth. Yeah. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The greatest is love. Thank you, Steve Lappin. Woo, amen. All righty. Let me read this scripture to you and make you happy. Because the Lord's happy, right? All right, so, but y'all ain't looking happy. Matthew 4.17, I read this last week to you when I was talking about cultivating the kingdom of heaven in where? Your thinking, right? This is Jesus' first words, his first message. This is what he says. It's, From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, which we understand uh, it means change the way you're thinking, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what he was saying is if you'll change the way you think, you can, be, you can begin to access the kingdom of heaven. You can begin to see something that's here already that's, that's within reach in your life. But you're only going to be able to do that by changing the way you think. You can't keep thinking the way you've always thought. Or you'll get the same thing you always get. You'll see the same thing and you will not, it will not work out. So that was the beginning of his ministry. That was his first words that came out preaching to people and telling them about the kingdom. Now, I wanted to read something that he said right after he was resurrected, a couple of things. Uh, John, the Great Commission, John's Great Commission. Uh, G, it's John twenty twenty one. Jesus said to them, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. So what Jesus began to say when he said, change the way you think, this was sort of the ending of what he was saying while he was there. He was saying, as the Father has sent me to declare the kingdom, to engage the kingdom, to demonstrate the kingdom, I'm now sending you to do the same thing. That's what he was saying. That's, that's the truth that we need to hear this morning, uh, the truth that should transform us. So first of all, there's, like, there's at least three or four things, you know. Obviously, Jesus sent us, it's Jesus sends us to be sons, to know the Father, as that we have a revelation of the Father, and we have a revelation that we're His sons. And that's the, the, the finding revelation, because that is how you begin to view God properly, rightly, as He truly is. And, and if you don't really see God as He truly is, you can never see anything else as it as it truly is. Now that's really important for people because a lot of people have this perverted view of the Lord. Therefore, they have a perverted view of life. You can't see life correct apart from seeing the Father correct. The Father is the only person that can tell you who, how to see yourself correct. You can't see yourself correct. And that's why I say it's a revelation of sonship because when you begin to come into that revelation, then you can begin to see yourself. You can begin to see your life and your life experiences in, with proper lens. Otherwise, you're going to see it wrong. I think that's pretty, pretty profound to me. That's real basic, but that's... Pre- the other thing he sends us to, to be is co-laborers with Christ. God is calling every person to be a co-laborer. All of us have a calling. All of us have a mission in this life, on, in this world, just like Jesus had a mission. He had a purpose that he was living out. And see, that's what the revelation of the kingdom will give us. It will give us a view of, I'm not here simply living here today. I have a purpose in being here. I've been planted here by God on this earth to do something. Okay? To do something of significance, to, to expand his kingdom, to call forth for his kingdom to come into the earth. That's being a co-laborer. That's really vital for us, for you and I to live the fulfilled life that we desire to live, to, to, feel, to feel happy in our life, to feel fulfilled in our life, to feel like our life counts for something. It's only going to count in context of His kingdom and our purpose in His kingdom. And that's really the truth. And so if you're living for anything else today, you will, li- you will come up empty always. Your life will come up empty. Your life will come up diminished feeling. 
Just no way. And the other thing he he prepare he calls us is his, he's bringing a bride together in the earth. He's creating a bride. He's forming a bride, a bride of Christ. We're the bride. We are today. We're in preparation. A lot of people have issues with the church, but we really shouldn't because we're not there yet. We're being prepared. We're being made ready. Okay? And so that's a part of what God is doing in the earth. That's a part of what Jesus says. As the Father sent me, I have sent you. I sent you to be part of a bride. I sent you to be a part of a corporate person that in the, in the end, when, at the very end, will be glorious in the earth. The, the church will be glorious in the earth. So be careful when you badmouth the church. Even if the church deserves to be badmouthed, don't talk about, the Lord doesn't want to talk about us talking about his bride. Think about it like that. You need, we need to speak life to the church. Enough people are speaking death over the church. Enough Christians are speaking death over the church, or bad-mouthing the church, and don't like this about the church. Look, we need to stop because the world and the flesh and the devil are assaulting us constantly, and we're helping. We can turn the tide by beginning to speak life when, when, where the places we need life and speak wholeness to us. Amen? Well, that wasn't the very last thing Jesus said. I the last words of a person is kind of important, right? You know, your loved ones that you lose, what they, the last thing they said to you, you're going to keep in your heart, right? I was really blessed to get to go have one last conversation with, with BJ before he died, and I can remember exactly what he said because I knew it was, it was important for me. But this is the last thing Jesus said, Acts 1.8. Glory, right? We all know this, but hey, we shouldn't take this so lightly because it's the last thing Jesus said before he left the earth. He gave us this commission to go, but then he says, but don't go yet. Hang on because something needs to happen to you before you go because you're not prepared to go. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And he said, you're going to need the Holy Spirit to go. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to know that you're a son. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to be part of the body of Christ. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to be a co-laborer with Christ. Holy Spirit's everything. Holy Spirit's vital to us. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does. See, the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to do what Jesus said in the very beginning. In the very beginning, change the way you think so you can see the kingdom. The Holy Spirit goes to work in our hearts and our minds to help us reconfigure and rewiring our mind. I found out this week that your brain is constantly rewiring itself, just in the natural, with memories and the way you do things. It's constantly at work doing that. And why is it constantly doing that? It's a picture of what God wants to do in our minds. He wants to rewire our minds and give us new thoughts, hit new ways of thinking. And the Holy Spirit is the only one can do that. It's the anointing of the Spirit that comes upon our thinking. Okay? We're transformed by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit coming upon our minds and, and, and renewing our minds, rewiring our minds. That's really good, I think. I'm happy about this. Praise the Lord. You know? Anyways, you know, here's one of the things, just a, this is sort of just a side note. i got to hurry up. Okay, but this is really true. Have you, heard, have you noticed some of the things that the church speaks and declares? It's like we're declaring the wrong message. Like, I can remember as a kid watching these movies, and it was repent. For the end is near. Anybody ever heard that or seen that? Repent for the end is near. Or repent because God's going to be mad at you if you don't. That's a subtle mess. But none of that's in the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach that. You see, it, we don't have the right message, okay, because we're not thinking differently. Okay, so we're going to preach the wrong message. We're going to tell people, the end is coming, you better get right with God. And Jesus never really said that. He said, change the way you think so you can see the kingdom. And once you begin to see the kingdom, you're going to have a kingdom message. And see, God wants to bring us back to a kingdom message. He wants to give us a kingdom of heaven revelation. And when we have a kingdom of heaven revelation, then we can declare that revelation to the world because that's what the world is deep down in their hearts looking for. Okay? 
And so I think that's really important. And so if you think about it like this, if you go back and look at the Gospels, the four Gospels, the Gospels, Jesus, it was all about this message, change the way you're thinking. He said that at the beginning, change the way you think and you can see the kingdom. And then he did this. Now I'm going to talk about the way I think and I'm going to demonstrate the way I think. That's what the Gospels are all about. It's about him just revealing the heart of God, the acts of God, reveal how he thinks and how he acts. And he did all that, not just to have just to be God on the earth and die for us. He did all that to draw us into that. You know, and say this, because he said, greater works will you do. Well, how in the world, what does that mean? It means I want to bring you into the, the thing I did. And, and the way you're going to get into that thing is there's going to be a shifting in the way you think. And you're going to see it different. You're going to feel it different. And you're going to see different things. And you're going to go after those different things. Every, yeah, everything changes. I'm going to tell you this. Everything changes when you begin to engage the kingdom of heaven. When you begin to see it. Everything. Your whole mindset shifts. You can walk into a room and be miserable. And all of a sudden you catch a glimpse of the kingdom. Everything's different all of a sudden. So you're starting to get all this information from the Lord. And, 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 and see, that's not just for special people. That's for the people of God. Okay? I'm excited about it. So he did all this demonstration. He gave lots of messages, right? His most famous message, like I said last night, was the Sermon on the Mount. One time I saw a title of a message called the Sermon on the Amount. <laughs> I thought, that's got to be a money message. Sermon on the Amount. You know, there's all kinds of arguments. See, that's another problem. We have all these arguments about tithing and how much you should give. You give this percent, you give that, do that. What a joke. You know what that's coming from? That's coming from not having a revelation of the kingdom. Because once you have a revelation of the kingdom, all that becomes non-issues to you. You see what I'm saying? And say, God wants to bring us into something higher and something greater. Okay, that's really what he wants to do. He wants to, the Bible is meant to reveal the character and nature of God. It reveals him. That's just my thoughts, you know. I mean, y'all don't have to believe this, but you could read the Bible. <laughs> Anyways, he had these things called the Beatitudes, right? They're in the Bible of Matthew 5, and I read there were nine of them. And I remember last week, if you don't remember, it's okay. You know, but blessed means happy. That's what all our nine be happy is about. In fact, it means like congratulations. When you read that for now and think the Lord said, congratulations, be happy because you are poor in spirit. In other words, poor in spirit means that you are very conscious of your need of God. And when you are very conscious of your need of God, guess what? You have access to the kingdom of heaven. That's what it means. So when we're conscious, that's why Jesus is saying, you need to be happy about this. You need to be real happy when you feel like you've come to the end of yourself. You feel like you've come to the end of what you can do. All your stuff that you thought you could pull off. You know, be happy. That's a happy day. You know, you thought you was going to be a good parent. Happy day when you realize you wasn't such a good parent. You know, that's a happy day. Instead of a bad day. So anyways, Lord have mercy, right? So the next one, I, want, I don't really want to talk about all of these, I'll be honest with you, because I don't really have a revelation on all of them, but I do have a revelation on two or three of them. I do have something on this blessed or those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, mourning is not something the church likes to talk about unless they're mourning, right? We don't talk about suffering unless we're suffering. Who wants to, right? Nobody wants to. I, nobody, who wants to be breaking up bad news, suffering? No, don't want to talk about it. But Jesus... Right from the very far, he, he says, hey, you're great when, you're, when, you're, when you're, you sense your need of God. And then he says, and also, there's something really good. When you're suffering, when you are mourning, be happy. Congratulations, you're mourning because the Comforter is coming. And when the Comforter, that's the Holy Spirit, when the Comforter comes, something's going to happen in your life. Something's going, that's what he's really talking about. He's talking about the Comforter. Well, what I was saying about sharing this, this message, I didn't realize I was going to need the comforter. You know what I'm saying? I didn't realize, Lord, I'm going to need some comfort here. I need comforting. You know, I'm sad in my heart. I need some comfort. So I think it's important that we try to address suffering and mourning when we're not suffering and mourning. 
we can have a, a different perspective on it. Well, there was this man named William Barclay. If you ever went to Christian bookstores, you'd see all these New Testament, 17 of them by William Barclay on the New Testament. Like, good Lord, can somebody write them? This is what he said about this particular one. It's an astonishing thing to speak of the joy of sorrow, of the gladness of grief, and of the bliss of the brokenhearted. Of all the paradoxes and the Beatitudes, this is the most dramatic. I'm thinking, yes, I am, I'm with you. I am totally on board with you. So we've gone through a lot of, everybody in this room has, some personal mourning in your life. We've gone through a lot of corporate mourning. You know, and I didn't want to, I didn't, I wasn't, I'm never trying to learn anything while I'm in the middle of it, but I do think God always speaks when you walk through something. Most of the time it's when you're at the end of it, it's when he starts talking to you. Does that, that make sense? Sometimes you look back and realize he spoke to you in the middle or in front of it, but you were too dumb to hear it. You didn't write like, I didn't want to hear that, but you realize it was him. So I wanted to read some things here that children said about this verse. I thought this was, I found this, I was amazed at it. I got four or five of them that I wrote down that really spoke to my heart, and I had a little comment about them. The first one uh, says, this is this child, Brittany, age six, says, if you, this is what she says it means, if you cry, it will get better. And isn't that the truth? You see, we can't, I found people who try to suppress their emotions, Right, you, you're going through a bad time. You want to suppress. You some people want to act like they're strong, and nothing touches them. But they're dying on the inside, and they don't have nobody. To, they're too scared, too proud to have somebody they can blubber on their shoulders. You know what I'm saying? God did not create our emotions to be suppressed. He created our emotions to tell us what was going on in our heart. And if our heart's full of sorrow, we need to express that sorrow in weeping or however you might do it. Don't be hitting walls. Right? Becky claims I suppress stuff. And then she says, you suppress, suppress. And then all of a sudden it stacks up and then there's this explosion of, but it's true. Uh, I don't, I just want to really give people opportunity at times to be able to vent. You know what I'm saying? Find somebody you can vent to. Even if what you're saying is not right. You could say to the person, I'm venting, I'm tore up on the inside. I might need to say some things that ain't right. Can you take that? You know, I've even had people vent to me like, well, are you venting or are you just the way you really feel? Well, I'm venting. Okay, well, go ahead. I'm going to forget it. But if you really believe that now, uh, we might have some problems. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever gotten an argument with your spouse and you said some things you didn't really mean? Anybody ever done that besides Becky? <laughs> Sometimes when we get upset, we say stuff to God or about God or about somebody we may not really mean. The key is not to be out splutting your vomit every, everywhere. To find somebody you can do it with. If nobody else, get with God and talk to Him about it. You know? I don't really condone saying a whole lot of bad stuff to God. You know what I'm saying? But I do think there's a time when our emotions are raw and hurting that we need to get some things out on the table. That's what this little girl was saying here. I think she's right. If you cry, it'll get better. If you get that off of you, something's, there's some healing that's going to start taking place in your life. Do you get that? Number two, this is from a little girl named Taylor who was 11 years old. She said, I mourned when my puppy ran away. I cried for hours wanting him back. But he never came back. We got a new dog, but I still cry sometimes. And so that's experiencing loss and experiencing the pain and helplessness of loss. Because that's what loss will make people feel. That there's a helplessness, there's a powerlessness that happens to people when they go through loss. Okay? And it's important to be able to, be, to identify that you are in a powerless situation. You are in a hurting situation, okay? Um, I think it's important, though, uh, there's this guy named Gene Davenport, sort of a political Christian writer. He's got some great things to say, but this is what he said. He said, genuine comfort, the strength to endure the ravages of the darkness without bitterness or despair, is solely a gift, a gift. It is the expression of God's own presence. 
the assertion of God's own sovereignty over the darkness. And you see, when we feel hurt and powerless, that's what we need to keep in mind. That God's presence is there. And if we can embrace His presence, even in our helplessness, even in our powerlessness, nobody wants to feel helpless. It ain't a soul in this room likes that feeling. I hate that feeling. I don't like to feel helpless. I don't like, I don't like to feel powerless. But there's times, especially with loss, that you feel that way. Nothing you can do. That's a terrible feeling. That's the time when you embrace this person and embrace that gift to be able to overcome all that. It's really important because I see a lot of believers start going off the mark there because they can't change what's happened. And they can't understand why God is not changing it. And instead of embracing the gift that says that God is greater than my darkness, God is greater than my hurt, God is greater than my understanding of it all, they begin to point their finger at God and accuse God, become angry with God. And that sort of mess you up. Uh, Jackie gave me this verse Friday when I was having a kind of a morning day. Uh, it's Psalm thirty-one twenty-four. I think this is beautiful. It says, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Be of good courage. Even when you feel powerless, be of good courage, for he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. When you feel that loss, put your hope in the Lord. Be strong in God, like Marlon was saying. David strengthened himself in the Lord as he was bitterly weeping. And Marlon didn't bring out the point. Well, he did say they wanted to stone him. All those people were upset. They were wanting to kill David because they were blaming him for what had happened. Sometimes you're going to get blamed for some things. But David found some hope in God, and he found an answer to his sorrow. Amen? All right, number three. This means that those who feel sorry and awful for what they did wrong will be comforted by God, says Avery, 11 years old. Ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be times in your life you're going to do some bad things. You're going to say some bad things, and you're going to feel bad about it. I hope you feel bad about it. You should feel bad about it. If you don't feel bad about it, there's something wrong with your conscience. Okay, and so there's going to be times, and I think I was wanting to read Psalm fifty-one, seventeen. The sacrifices of God are a broken heart, or a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Well, you know what that means. Many times when we mess up, we don't forgive ourselves. We feel like we got to do some kind of penance. That one thing, just being broken about it, being sorrowful about it, and saying, God, I've just really blew it, I'm so sorry. That one thing, God, that's God is saying, that's all you need to do. If you just do that, I'm not asking you to do anything. I've already done it all for you. Just, just embrace what I've done for you. Embrace me in that. I met with a woman one day, and this is what she told me. She said, you know, when you get to be a pastor, you get to hear about some bad stuff. She said, I've committed adultery. And she went and told me how she committed adultery. The man had seduced her. And I said, you got to, and she was, she had gotten out of it. I said, you got to forgive that man. She said, oh, I've forgiven that man. My problem is I can't forgive myself for letting myself do it. And that's why a lot of people are, is they won't forgive themselves for, for bad things. Yet, as Watchman Nee brought out in the normal Christian life, the blood of Jesus is good enough for the Father it's good enough for the devil. Why ain't it good enough for you? You know? And when you think about it like that, well, it's good enough then. And I ministered to that lady that day, and she was able to forgive herself for getting into a bad situation. And so that's really what all we need to do many times is let the blood do what it's supposed to do for us. And don't live some kind of dumb life and feel like you've got to make things up and all that. Let God help you walk it out. It's important. All right, number four. It means blessed are those who are lonely. They will be comforted by God, says Marshall H. And ain't that wonderful? Marshall H. No, fine. Loneliness is a terrible thing. When you go through difficulties in your life, many times you, that's a feeling you have. You feel alone. You feel left out because you're in this situation and you try to explain it to other people and people don't really, they can't engage it because you're in a different place and it feels lonely. It feels like you're by yourself. And that's a very painful thing. And many times what happens is self-pity. 
Self-pity happens when a person gets into loneliness. You hear what I'm saying to you? You get into self-pity. That's the danger of loneliness. Is you cut yourself off from everybody else. You isolate yourself and you begin to feel sorry for yourself. Woe is me. And that's really not, that cuts that comforting power of God off from you when you do that. You really can't cut yourself off from people. You don't build a wall around yourself and dare anybody to try to cross it. A lot of people do that. They're in a mess in their life and they build a wall and dare you to come across it. They'll, they'll cut you to pieces if you try to, try to you know, help them. Believe me, I got scars all over me from that. I learned something. The door ain't open, I ain't trying to get in. Only way I'm getting in, Lord, if you pick me up and throw me over that wall. <laughs> Otherwise, I ain't trying to climb it. Woo, Jesus. All right, number five. Blessed are those who mourn means that God blesses those who have a tender heart, says Sean, age 10. Now, that's really, I think, really key in this. Because this is talking about your heart condition. Are y'all okay? I need to ask you that. I wanted to put this verse back up, Proverbs fifteen twenty one, this morning, because I read it to you last week about folly is joy to him who is destitute of discernment. In other words, I read it in context of if you don't seek this right happiness, you know, you're going you're gonna to think something's happy that's not happy. You think something's going to make you happy. That's foolish what you're doing. It's going to lead you astray. But you know what? That word discernment, you know what that word really is? It's not discernment, really, in the Hebrew language. It's heart. When a person begins to lose heart, when a person begins to let their heart get hard towards God, things that are staggone crazy are going to be attracted to them. Girls are going to go after guys in the world, the Christian girls, because their hearts are hardened. And they will walk away from the Lord. Well, I know this because the Lord showed me this, okay? That there was a young lady that we know, okay, that there's a young man out there in the world that they want so bad, they're willing to walk out of the kingdom of God for that young man. And when they do that, it's going to be a terrible thing that's going to happen to them. Because the life, the color, everything that they have, is going to turn dark and gray in their life. Y'all looking at me like I'm not doing good. (laughs) Don't lose heart. (laughs) Yeah. I've been praying for that girl a lot because the Lord really is concerned about her. He really is concerned about her. But you know, you when you try to talk to people about stuff like that, when they're into folly, when they've lost heart, their hearts, you can't get to them. You can't get them because they've shut down in their heart. Their heart, it's like I tell people, you've lost your true north. You know, sailors used to navigate by the stars, the true north. And when you get like that, you've lost that ability to navigate through life. You it's like you're in the storm, you can't see, so you're starting to do things that are not wise with your life that, that really hurt you. All right, I want to read this one last little story that Jesus said, that brings us out and, and tell you just a couple little things on that, and then I'm going to finish. Are you all okay for that? This is uh, Mark 16. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. Isn't that amazing that the first person the Lord chose to reveal himself to was a person who had seven demons in them? I mean, that was the number one. See, we think the bad way. We don't think right about God. We don't think, we think God, you know, he just rose from there. He's going to go see the most important person in town, the most popular disciple or whatever, the most prominent person, and he goes to a person he casts seven demons out of. That just shows you the Lord's heart, how he feels about people and what he, how he acts. He don't act like we act. He, we don't, he doesn't think like we think. Isn't that great? I just think that's awesome, just little things like that. She went and told those who had been with him. That means the big boys, you know, those who had been with the Lord. As they, what, mourned and wept. So they were weeping and mourning, and rightfully so, because the Lord had been killed. And she went and told them. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, what? They did not believe. So you see, your mourning and weeping can lead you into unbelief. It led these men 
who had been with the Lord into unbelief. Your mourning can lead you into unbelief. I think we need to know that about mourning. Even though Jesus said, be happy when you mourn, he's also saying, there's a wrong way to mourn. There's a way to mourn that will lead you away from me. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them. See, he still hadn't appeared to those guys yet. To two of them as they walked and went into the country. That's the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. And then they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Isn't that crazy? They did not. See, their hearts had gotten hard. They were full of disappointment because the Lord didn't do what they thought He was going to do. He didn't fulfill His promises over their life. He didn't keep their thing going that they had. And so here they were. They were all bummed. And so somebody comes along and says, tells them something really good that, no, the Lord's alive. No, I don't believe that. I don't believe what you're saying. And so what happens in, when we're mourning, God will send people to us. He'll send people who will say not a word to us, and we can just cry on their shoulders. That's a good person. We want that person. Weep with those who weep. But he'll also send some who will tell us the truth in our mourning. Sometimes when we're mourning, we don't want to hear the truth. We want to, we want to revel in how God didn't do what God was supposed to do. In our lives. And I'm telling you this because I've walked through this with many people in this room. I've walked through the morning. I've walked through the accusations that come to God. Even in my own heart when I'm in my bad moment. And Jesus was addressing this. He wanted us to get this. Because one of the guys who did it the worst was the guy who's behind this writing in the Gospel of Mark called Peter. Because he was one of the worst ones like... You know, <laughs> I'll do all this for you, Lord. I'll die for you. I don't even know the guy. <laughs> Within hours, I know it. And he starts cussing and getting all carried on about it. You know? Later, now later on, he sort of waited around. See, that's how the Lord will do. He'll just sort of let you stew a little bit in your unbelief and all your messed up state. Now, we wonder sometimes, where's the Lord? Well, it's later. Okay, because you're all messed up in unbelief. Unbelief keeps the Lord out. He don't really want, he doesn't really get around unbelief a whole lot, I'll be honest with you. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. And this is what he did. He rebuked them. That means he fussed at them. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. See, sometimes... This is the truth. Sometimes the Lord's not going to talk to you personally about it. Sometimes He's going to send somebody else. Okay? And if you don't believe that person, He's not going to be happy with you. Now, that's what happened here. Do y'all get that? He sent a person, people, to say something to them, and they didn't do it, and the Lord said, I'm mad at you about that. That's what He was saying. I'm mad because I sent them to you. They saw me, and you wouldn't believe them. And sometimes all we have is another person's testimony. And we need to believe their testimony. We really do. I mean, that's, that's what he's saying right there. If you have a relationship with people that you're connected with, I'm not talking about just, you know, anybody off the street, but I'm saying you know these people, you've been around these people, you've lived out your Christian life some with them, and you're in a mess, and they come to you, start telling you stuff, you need to believe what they're saying. You need to believe if they're bringing the word of the Lord to you, you need to accept that that's the person God sent to me. Y'all love this, don't you? <laughs> but this, it gets better. Those who had seen him after his resurrection, and he's, okay. I'm going to stop right there just for a minute. I'll tell you about this vision I had on January the 19th, 2014. Okay, this vision is for you. So here's what the vision was. I saw this clock. It was a big clock. And... Then I saw myself walking into the clock. I walked into the clock. So the clock was bigger than me. I walked into the clock and I walked. I guess I was in it or through it or whatever. I don't know. But I, walked, I wound up and I was in this room. And the room was dark. It was dark. Completely dark. I couldn't see anything. And then the darkness began to lift. It was like fog lifting off. Okay? And it was like, but it was black, like a black fog. And it began to lift off, and I saw the floor in the place. 
So first, the first thing I feel like, Lord, I want to tell you about the fog lifting off. That's one thing the Lord's saying to people right now, that you've been in a dark place, but it's time for the, flo- the clock. It's time for the fog to start lifting in your life. It's time for the darkness to start lifting in your life. The thing I saw was I saw this, this floor. It was a hardwood floor, and it was a really beautiful hardwood floor made up of many different colors of flooring. Okay, you know, some of it was really light colored. It looked like an oak floor and that had been highly polished and finished. Some of it was light, some of it was dark, some of it was amber colored, and some of it was ebony colored. And I knew the Lord was saying, those floor, that flooring represents different times in your life. It represents times of blessing, it represents times of glory, it also represents dark times. And I saw on the outer rim of the floor and the outer edges, I saw some dark boards. And I knew that's where we were at. But I saw these other boards being laid. They were beautiful boards. And I feel like the Lord saying, that's what all this does for you. That's what you're suffering. That's what your pain That's what every experience that you have, what you walk through in life is God builds a floor under you. something for you to stand on, a platform for you to stand on where you have Whatever that floor and was, whatever it's made up of, you carry that in you. That's what you've got to give people. And so I feel like the Lord's saying, the darkness, it's time for the darkness to be over in people's life. It's time for God to begin to bring something new in your life. And the great thing about this scripture here, I didn't read verse 15. Does anybody believe what I just said? I believe it's the Lord. And I'm, I'm laying hold of it from my life. I don't know about you. you can, we don't need to sit around and wallow in darkness. We need to come out of it. It's a, I walk through the valley of shadow of death. It's not live there. It's not camp out there. It's not build theology there. Let's get out of there. Let's move on and let's let that comfort come. That's when the blessing and the happiness comes. We had this one guy, Becky was telling about all we went through, and he just blurted out, it was all for preparation. It's all for preparation in your life. Everything, if you'll let it, God was preparing you for something. He was trying to bring you somewhere. He was trying to get you to something. And He allowed these things in your life to get you to where He wants to take you, which is a glorious place. I really believe that. This is great, though. He says in verse 15, after He chewed them out. I mean, the Lord's sitting there chewing them out, telling them how mad He is with them about how sorry of an attitude they had. I'm just I'm putting stuff in. Maybe I am. Rebuke's a hard word in the Scripture, actually. Rebuke is not, I'll rebuke you. It's saying some hard things. Look up the word. It's a harsh word. Usually Jesus used that word when he talked to demons. That's how they said he rebuked the demons. It was the same word. He was going hard after his disciples about their unbelief. And then when he finished it, but guess what? Now we're done with that. This is beautiful. Then he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. See, he didn't hold all that against them. He just said, It's time to get up and move on. I've told you what I feel. Move on! And get with the program. And they did, didn't they? Once the Holy Ghost fell on them, they couldn't stand it no more. And I feel like that's what the Lord wants us to that's how. That's why Jesus can say, this is why he can say this, congratulations when you mourn. Get happy because the comforter's coming. And when he comes, there's going to be some, some stuff that happens in your life. That's how he views mourning when we mourn in the way that he wants us to mourn. Mourning that leads us in to his purposes, his calling in a greater way. Well, it's so much easier to preach it than it is to live it, right? Yeah, amen. But that's why we have the Spirit of God. Amen? That's why we have the Holy Spirit, because He'll get us through it. Let's stand up and ask this person of the Holy Spirit to come. I hope the Lord spoke to you this morning. What does the Bible say? Beauty for ashes. All of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that we might be right, the trees of righteousness. Speaks of those hardwood floors that he cut those planks out of. The trees of righteousness, the planet of the Lord, that what? He might be glorified. Then he says, those amongst you will rebuild. 
In other words, those amongst you are going to do something. They're going to fix some things. And we're coming into the day of fixing. God's saying, I'm, I'm fixing you, but there's a world that needs to be fixed. There's an evangelistic call coming into the earth. There's anointing for the harvest that God is releasing now. And we believe the starting line, it's time. It's time for, the, for God's harvest to come forth in the earth. And I think one of the things, you know, God is bringing us evangelists into our church now. And I think he, this is what evangelists does. Hey, let's go. Let's go outside and preach the gospel. Let's don't just go to church. <laughs> they will tell you that. I had one of them say this. I just don't get this business of just going to church. That's what he said. I said, what do you mean? He said, no, I'm all for going to church. But if that's all we're doing, we're missing something. There's people out there on the street. That's what he said to me. I said, yeah, they need to hear this. They need to get what we got. We got to get a heart to take it to them. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us that heart. Lord, we want to receive that today. That it's time for the darkness to lift. Say that in your life. Say, it's time for the darkness to live. It's time, I'm, it's time for me to see something beautiful. Say, I'm going to see something beautiful. God has prepared me for this time. Even if I messed up. Yes, what He's telling me. He's done fussing. He's saying, Go! Go! And you know what he said? He said, you're going to have some authority and power. That's what he said. That's the rest of that thing. There's power for the people of God. There's authority for the people of God. Especially those who've walked through mourning. Who've walked through darkness. Who've walked through disappointment. And they were still there. When God showed up. Later, he showed up. And they were waiting on him. And he had something to say to them. He fussed at them and he said, now you go. And I'm giving you authority. There's devils, there's all that stuff, but you're going to step on them. I believe that's the truth. Lord, we ask you for your power and authority to be released on your people today. To, to take the gospel wherever we're supposed to take it. We ask you, Lord, for baptism in the Holy Spirit. Not just for speaking in tongues or other spiritual gifts which we love, but to be witnesses unto you, Lord. And in Jerusalem, home, Mooresville, Lord, North Carolina, the United States of America, Lord, South America, China. Korea, Poland, Europe, Africa, Australia, New Zealand, Lord, all the continents. Send us to the ends of the earth, Lord. Send us next door and send us to the ends of the earth. Send us to our family and send us to the foreigners, Lord. Send us in power, Lord. It's time to go. But does anybody have a, know about any sick babies? Does anybody know anybody sick babies? Somebody's hands back. If you know about a sick baby, come up here. The Lord wants to not tell everybody He's concerned about babies. He's concerned about little children. Now that's what I've just saw. I saw children. I saw these sick children. And I think the Lord is saying two things. One, I'm saying that He wants to heal them. If anybody here knows about any. And number two, he's going to send some people. Yeah. So anybody else know about any sick children, sick babies? Just come up here. We're going to pray for you and for that baby. Because the Lord wants to heal babies. I'll tell you that. That's really on the Father's heart is the, is the children. Y'all come on out here. We're going to pray. And Now, who, who feels like they have a call on the children? Raise your hand. Anybody feel like they have a call on the children at River Life? Y'all come out here who feel like you have a call on the children. The Lord really wants to do an anointing this morning for people.
The, you know, the Lord said the children are the model citizens for the kingdom. Those are the first ones he's going to go after. I really think, I feel this thing, that God's heart for the children. Why don't we get people up here and lay hands on these guys and find out the specifics for children. Let me ask this. I know it's time to go, but does anybody would like to have a heart for children? You would like to have that, but you don't feel like you do. Anybody, anybody want to raise their hand for that? It's, why don't you come, y'all come on. Come up here, and God will impart his heart for children. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted us to say <clears throat> one more time to daddies. Every, all daddies, raise your hand. Daddies, what you say is important. Okay? What you say is important to your family. Okay, what you say is important. Don't forget that. You know, please do this to your children. Please affirm them. Please speak life to them. Speak blessings on them. You know, there's times to correct them like Jesus corrected. But you just make those times when they're supposed to be. Otherwise, you need to be calling forth their destiny, their image. Please do that, daddies, if you'll do that. Just wanted also, I feel like um, that vision was just confirmed. Denise Purcello came up to me. She dreamed all night last night about wood floors. She saw the dark ones. She saw the light ones. So the Lord's definitely speaking this morning. And I just want to say to you, I believe those in the room that the Lord's really dealing with that this morning of embracing everything God has taken us through in our life. It's time to just embrace all seasons of life, and I would just encourage you to come up and get prayer over that too, because this is really the word of the Lord to this body this morning, and there's only one way to come into the all that God has for us, and that's to embrace every season, just like the disciples were not able to move forward until they embraced So I just encourage you this morning to come forward and just have someone to lay hands on you to just release to the Lord every season that you've walked through. Thank you, Lord. We need more people that are uh, trained for prayer. We need more people praying up here. If you're a trained person that can pray, come on. We need catchers also. We need some guys. If If you're a catcher, would you come up, raise your hand. And help catch. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. The Lord's doing a a mighty thing, a mighty work this morning. A mighty work this morning. Another thing I want you to grab hold of this morning is all that Bob Jones is leaving behind for this body. I really was feeling this morning that word, my father, my father, as Elijah with Elisha the same way. Grab hold of all that God has for you this morning. Thank you, Lord. We still need catchers and prayer people, train ministry team people. Thank you, Lord.